Hello and welcome to another episode of Spinning the Reel. Um, today's a bit of a special episode. I'm your host, Zach. Uh, and I'm doing this introduction because neither of my co-hosts were available for this. Um, so I'm flying solo today. I do have a guest, a lovely guest, a very special friend of the show. Um, Brian, welcome, Brian. Yeah. Hi, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, Brian is a longtime listener um and personal friend uh kind of a more more of an average joe movie watcher right you would say yeah not nearly as avid as the other hosts on this show um but definitely i i don't keep up as uh avid as you guys on new movies that coming uh that come out but i do find myself watching a lot of uh movies from the 90s and 70s just kind of that pique my interest that i never never saw it's kind of like a like a nostalgia thing for you. Yeah, like a nostalgia thing, and then um, usually if I get caught in a specific director or producer, I'll find myself trying to to watch more of their specific movies. Um, so like Wes Anderson, I I chugged through all of his series. Uh, Quentin Tarantino got hooked on that and was like, all right, I'm just going to get through as much of his as possible. Sometimes it's an actor. Um, like Vince Vaughn per se, I'll, I'll try to watch a good chunk of his movies. So I'd say I'm less, uh, less of a, this movie's coming out. It has this actor, this producer, whatever. I, I need to watch it and more of, I'll get around to it at some point. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a huge list of I'll get around to it at some point. <laughs> like, I think I have like 300 movies in my watch list or something right now. <laughs> something that like, if we did the math on, I would be 50 by the time I finished it. I'm sure like, <laughs> you know uh yeah i mean this does exclude like mega blockbuster movies uh right like most of most of the marvel series i'll i'll, I'll catch them on the no, yeah that's still enough to get to the midnight theater. release yeah yeah okay um, well so we have a, a, an exciting show today uh we're we're talking two movies we're at off the top we're talking 2004's mean girls beloved beloved comedy <laughs> and then we're kind of, we're gonna do a little bit of a middle segment talk about some movie news um there's been some shakeups kind of you know in uh in mega like media companies uh and then a just kind of like a little bit yeah exactly yeah and a little bit of a get to know you as as a guest on this podcast i think this is your first feature right yeah this is the first time i've if i recall correctly i think this is the first time i've ever been on the podcast been invited multiple times right yeah actually making it on listen live a couple times as well yeah you've been in the studio audience that's right yeah (laughs) but uh no yeah okay well welcome to the show and then we're gonna wrap it up with uh, i think it's 1979's the warriors now that's kind of more of like a cult classic i would say not not something that's like I hear too many people talk about these days, but I, I know that was one that we both really appreciated when we were younger and we were like, we played the Xbox game and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, I excited to talk about those ones. So let's, uh, let's just go ahead and jump right in. I'm 16 until today I was homeschooled and then it was goodbye Africa and hello high school. Hi, I'm Katie. All right, Brian. So we are getting started with again, 2004's Mean Girls. Now, I know Tina Fey was involved in the writing of this movie. I don't know if she actually directed it or who the director was. Let me see. Um, but off the top, so you, you, we were talking about this movie because when we were kind of talking offline about having you on the show, I was like, well, what, what do you want to talk about? We can, we can kind of cater the show to, uh, you know, to, to, 
to the guest perspective and you were like, Oh, I recently watched Mean Girls. And I was like, I love Mean Girls. Let's talk about it. So why, why did you decide to watch Mean Girls recently? Uh, it was more just, it came up in conversation um, for most of the listening audience that don't know. Uh, I do. I am, I'm a high school teacher. And so there's something so special about Mean Girls that I think perfectly illustrates what it's like uh, not only to be in high school, but to like now not actively being a student, but observing and seeing uh, the way Lindsay Lohan's character describes the different cliques and different groups uh, in a high school and how they interact. Uh, kind of almost taking a, a look at it from her perspective of being like, oh yeah, those are the jocks. Those are the uh, theater kids. Those are the plastics or the, uh, the mean girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> iconic breakdown like that's such a that's just such an iconic sequence that cafeteria setting yeah um, exactly. just zooming from table to table and like you know talking about the different clicks yeah and, and this movie i mean when i first i first watched this in high school uh, and at the at the time I, I i don't necessarily have an appreciation for the cast but uh looking back and seeing where a lot of the cast has gone and how many of them blew up post Mean Girls, um, and also those that were maybe the heavy hitters going into Mean Girls that are now not as heavy of hitters, <laughs> if you if you would uh, more in the the Lindsay Lohan perspective. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So you're very much like you you probably relate to like the tim meadows character a lot in this right like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no i we, we can all raise our hands we've all been hurt by a, a Regina <laughs> we've all been victimized by regina george that's right <laughs> um now i i i adore this movie uh definitely like one of my favorite comedies i would say if any anytime someone approaches me and like hey you want to watch mean girls i'd be like yeah let's do it let's watch mean girls just one of those movies that you could just like throw on and and just fall into and it's like it's just it's it's so good it's very well uh, very well written um directed by mark mark waters i did look that up while you were um giving us a little bit of your of your notes on it uh it's just yeah I, it's <laughs> there's not much to complain about. It's so um, efficient in its comedy and just, there's so many iconic lines in this movie, right? Like there, this was like a generational kind of like defining comedy that gave us a, a language. That, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That like, that, and that's what I mean. Like someone, you can make that reference to, to any, just about any millennial and like, they would know what you're talking about. Um, Right. I think yeah. it it lends itself because the timeline of the uh, movies, especially when you're doing a high school movie, not so much a uh, breakfast club where it is just a, a seven hour detention period, but like a uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the movie uh, where they basically take the ugly girl to make her the prom queen. Oh, that's uh, um, she's all that, right? She's all that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but movies in that sense where it's like, okay, you have your, your homecoming, your winter formal, and then your, your prom, if you would. And, and Mean Girls doesn't actually hone in on that as much, but you have your, your fall, new students, new arena, okay, Christmas, uh, the Christmas show, talent show, what have you. Um, and then the spring where finally it's like, okay, now we're going to take down 
Regina George. Like now we're going to attack the, the mean girls per se. Um, and I think that helps, like you were saying with the pacing and the writing, it is, I think it, it simplifies things a little bit when it comes to, you know, making this movie, which I think aids to, to it being such a, you can put it on, uh, you can watch a little bit, even if it's mid, mid, uh, mid movie and mm-hmm. kind of know yeah. exactly where they are, pick up, okay, this is where we are in the movie. This is where we are in the school year. Uh, and I think that helps to the longevity of the of the movie. Yeah, this definitely like existed in a time where television itself, like live television, was more prevalent. So you would be like flipping through, you know, your your cable channels, or whatever, and and happen upon TBS that's playing fucking Mean Girls, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna ride the rest of this out because I love you know this movie. Um, not not as super common these days, right? I feel like we have a lot more control about when things are on. Uh, for the average viewer um i i do want to i guess kind of uh i think i think one of the the uh, you mentioned something about this movie being like um pervasive in a way you know that the why it's why it's like stuck with us and i think it's just that it's so relatable at least from our perspective right like you know high school is just a part of growing up and this starts as like a very like fish out of water story for Lindsay lohan not having been in any public school setting so we get to have those like fun exposition moments, like, like the table breakdown. And I think just um, what's, what's Lizzie Kaplan's character's name. Uh, her, you know, her, her first friend that they, that they kind of adopt her. Um, oh, uh, uh, why am I blanking on this? Um, I can think of the, the, the male, Daniel Franzi, um, Janice, Janice, Janice Ian. Ian. Yes. Janice Ian. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, it's just, like I, I, you know, you think about going now. You have a much different perspective as a teacher, but like if you think back about you know the first time you walked into the halls of high school, and it's like it's very intimidating. And uh, there's just so many experiences in this in this that this film captures that like I feel you know any anyone who was a freshman in high school has some form of like relatability with it. Whether it was like right. it's being it's being bullied, it's being the bully. It's like you're you have weird teachers. You have like yeah, the, yeah you have the creepy PE teacher who's like <laughs> awkwardly hitting on the girl. Have, oh no! You have the uh, the teacher who's trying to be your best friend, trying to be like, oh yeah, you know what? Like you you can come to me. I I will help you and and this and that. And then of course mm-hmm. the principal who's just like, why are you guys all making my life so hard? Like just just go to school and go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> just man, so good. Um, and yeah, I, I think wow, two thousand four, right? That's, that's you know we're on, we're eighteen years out. Um, I think they may, I think they may have done like a reunion recently, or I saw like a catch up with some of the the people who um who were in this. Uh, just iconic right um right and you have a lot of like iconic uh characters or or i should i shouldn't say characters uh actresses and actors playing most of the cast um you know where it's you know rachel mcadams amanda seafried uh tina bay amy poehler uh amy poehler this is this would be pre parks and rec or just as parks and rec kind of like kicking off had Parks and Rec even started in 2004? I, I don't know. Maybe That's, I'm thinking The Office then. Well, but, yeah, The Office had for sure. 
So, so yeah, there's probably not quite there yet, but knowing like the Tina, the, the Amy Puller and, and Tina Fey, or at least Amy Puller, at least is when I, I don't necessarily associate her with, with Mean Girls. I associate her more with like SNL or mm-hmm. uh, Parks and Rec. And then you're watching the movie and it's like, oh shit, hey, look, there's. there's well, yeah, this was, this, this Puller, was like an, it, this was like an SNL quote-unquote production like that whatever their movie studio is like that you know when you when you sign up to be like a cast member personnel they in your contract you it's like you have a certain number of movies you're supposed to do over the years that you're on the show or something like that so th- this was like i'm pretty sure lauren michaels was a producer on this as well um it's very very a lot of like snl alums were involved with this production also i'm speaking about this and i realize now that i i've like already fucked up my hosting duties because we definitely did not do a plot description off the top, <laughs> which is That's normally okay. normally my job. So I forgot to ask, you know, to do the plot description because I, I, I guess we can't assume that anyone who listens to the show or, you know, it, it would know exactly what we're, we're talking about mean girls with like such reverence as if it's like this, you know, um, a part of our, a, such of like a pervasive part of our cultural consciousness, consciousness, which it is ours right. at least but for any but for everybody listening who may not have seen this or you know hasn't it's been a while since they've seen it or anything like that you want to give me a plot breakdown yeah so basically Lindsay lohan's character uh katie heron katie heron yeah is homeschooled basically in africa with her parents and then her parents moved to the suburbs of of illinois and i did not know gets- they were in illinois <laughs> Yeah, like okay. every great teen movie, Breakfast Club is the main one I'm thinking of. But John like Hughes films, John, John Hughes films, yeah, yes, John Hughes, you. yeah, okay. Um, they're, they're in Illinois, and she she finally gets to experience public school, and um, because she has no previous knowledge necessarily the school setting, she begins to associate everything uh, in basically the same way cliques would exist in in africa or you know you nature right yeah like an anthropological like zoological perspective right exactly very scientifically observing uh all the the tight knit cliques uh throughout the school and so then um eventually she like we mentioned she has her immediate friends who are are kind of the outcasts i guess you could say or the 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 people that aren't (laughs) necessarily so well liked uh, but eventually kind of out of the blue finds herself uh welcomed amongst the elite of the elite uh, at the school known as the plastics um and she quickly realizes why uh they're they're known as the plastics and 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 how they function and basically the idea is we're going to take down the ringleader of the plastics who is right, Regina George. Right. And, mm-hmm. and basically the plot of the, the movie progresses as uh, Katie becomes closer, almost into replacing uh, Regina George as the leader of the plastics. While at mm-hmm. the same time, the ultimate goal being to embarrass her and take her out and kind of this go between of, Oh, well, now that I'm one of the popular ones, do I actually want to uh, mess with this hierarchy? Um, so yeah, I think it's I think I I think that's 
the gist of the plot there, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say, you know, normally when at least when Cody's on and he's doing the plot scores, we 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 always give him a grade at the end. Right there, I'd probably give you like a like a C plus. That's pretty good. I get the plot of the Warriors a lot better. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll come back to you for that one. Look, just just filling in the gaps here. So, uh, yeah, Katie is from Africa. She's never. She's always been homeschooled by her parents, who are um, uh, researchers and you know anthropological and zoological. I don't know if they're differing disciplines or whatever, but yes, they've moved from Africa back to to the United States and centered public school for the first time. Um, immediately is an outcast having never had any, you know, s- social interaction to this level is adopted by other weirdos, Janice. And, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name now too? Damien. Damien. Uh, yeah. Yes. Two gated function. Only Janice can see it. Um, so yeah, is adopted by, by these two, these two other outcasts who take a liking to her. Uh, and then, the the villain of our story is Regina George, the main, you know, the most popular girl in school, whom Janice has history with right. in middle school. And so she, uh, because Katie is is conventionally attractive and Regina sees potential in her, they exploit this by coming up with this plan to um, take down Regina George. And then as Katie is initially apprehensive, there's an incident between the guy that she has a crush on and Regina's boyfriend, Aaron Samuels where Regina plays a very mean joke on her at, at Halloween. And then after that, she's fully on board on taking her down and then just becomes wrapped up in this, in this quest for one vengeance against Regina George. And then two popularity as she becomes like more popular, she gets like a sense of identity and kind of a taste for like power, the power that popularity gives you, you know, um, right. Perks around school, like respect and, and fear even, um, and then, of course, it, she, there's moments where there's fallout and then she has to question whether or not it was even worth it at all. And that's kind of like the lesson at the end was, you know, oh, th- this wasn't worth it. Like, I'd rather just have my friends that I like and respect right. and be myself. And like, you know, you don't have to change who you change. are to like yeah. be be happy or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. So there we go. We got through that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of at the at more at the tail end of talking about this movie but i don't know i think i think um you know when you watching it again right because i imagine it'd been some time since since you had watched it uh before this most recent time do you feel any different did you did you notice anything do you have like a different perspective other than you know from maybe from going to student to teacher or yeah i think i i understand a lot more of some of the teacher perspectives and some of the teacher uh, quirks or what have you. Um, like we'll take, I believe, Amy Poehler's character is the math teacher as well as the math like competition. No, that's Tina Fey. Amy, Amy Poehler's Regina's mom. That's right. Tina Fey. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're get good. Too mixed up. Um, but at least in Tina Fey's uh, perspective of being like, ah, here's this like really intelligent student who has a lot of potential. Um, like, I'm going to do what I can to help her. And, and it kind of like seeing her flustered and, and upset when Katie goes to do more of the, the popularity things of like, oh, I, I really don't care about, you know, mathletes. Uh, this is not a popular thing to do. I would much rather social you know, suicide. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> social suicide. So, 
um, just uh, understanding that type of frustration from an from an adult's perspective um, when the principal is is just very frustrated at the end when they're all mm-hmm. in the gymnasium and he's just like you guys are all crazy we need to figure this out uh, that perspective of of when there is some sort of drama uh, amongst students uh, male or female and just being like this is this is pointless this means nothing (laughs) please stop yeah (laughs) um but yeah i would say that's the biggest like different perspective uh versus like watching this as a student and trying to be like oh yeah that person is totally uh fits in as a plastic or you're right you know in a more of a sense of like where do i fit in where do my friends fit in where do other people amongst the student body fit in yeah i man i think like it doesn't even it this the these kind of social structures don't even just apply to like high school it's like it's everywhere you go right you you know right it, it exists in high school and that's kind of like you know where that's the setting of this movie but then you can you can go from high school to like college and of course the same social structures exist in college in your first, you know, corporate job, like any, any social setting really that's large enough and, and um, has enough people, you'll find these kind of things like pop up and it's just, you know, you can, you can, you can take a a movie quote from, from Mean Girls and be like, and say it about, about your job or, you know, your other school or whatever. And it just, it still applies. And I think that also is another aspect of this that is just like, it just taps into something that's like, human so so right. human and like part of just i don't know the so the sociological like development of of being a person um i guess one more thing i'd like to talk about is just like how economical this movie is in terms of its comedy like the jokes at least for me personally just land every time um, right and it's it's just if There's you're like, from Africa, why are you white? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amanda Seyfried. Wow. What a, I mean, she's she's taken, she's done a lot more roles now and like done a lot of serious stuff and, and is a much more like prestigious actor, but this role like is just hilarious. Um I mean <laughs> they all are mom. I'm a cool mom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, before I guess before we just start going back and forth oh, with yeah. like the best lines. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. What's your, what's like your favorite line from, from this movie? Um, I think are you, are you, let's do your top three even. Okay. I would say, uh, I think one of the best ones that I find myself using a lot, even in, in high school as a teacher still, uh, she doesn't even go here. That's a good <laughs> so one. Like that's a good one. Just doing something ridiculous. Just, she doesn't even go here. And then that's always, it's a good good ringer maybe not the top of most people's lists but yeah let's go back and forth that's a classic one um i i love get in loser we're going shopping which like is just <laughs> so you know you could say that about anything like get in loser we're doing this and like just applies you know it's, right. so, it's a versatile one i also love i love janice ian's uh her speech at the end in the big, you know, when they're doing the whole like feelings hour and she's like, I guess I have a big lesbian crush on you. Just that <laughs> always gets me. 
Um, and then fucking uh, Kevin Kevin G's rap, like his, his for the talent show where he's like Kevin G, like oh man, dude, that one kills me. Or when uh, um, I'm going off the rails here, but no, Damien when someone throws a shoe at him when he's singing <laughs> singing Christina Aguilera, and he's like, "Can't yeah. bring me down." Like oh, I love that shit. All right, um, you got anything you, you want to add? You want to add some more? I I just did like five there. Yeah, so my other two. Uh, again, just based off of what I still keep using is uh, the for you, Glenn, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn yeah, Coco. that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then probably just on Wednesdays we wear pink. Is, uh, right, is another, right. Another classic, solid one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go too crazy. Uh, I think my off the cuff one that you have to have like seen the movie to get uh is is uh where she goes it's it's like i have espn or something my brother <laughs> yeah. always tell when it's going to read yeah 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 or oh man I, I can't believe i forgot where she's like <laughs> i'm sick you know yeah <laughs> oh okay all right so the last thing we do right if you you know you've been on you you've heard the show you, you've been around you've been part of the audience last thing we do letterbox roundup all right, so you're you're the guest. You do the honors. Out of five stars, what are you giving Mean Girls? Uh, I'm gonna give Mean Girls four stars. Four stars out of five. Okay, solid. And that's, solid. that's a that's a generous four stars. Generous, uh, okay. Four stars out of ten. Like the movie. Wait, out of ten? Or no, sorry, four stars out of five. Sorry, yeah, okay. Four stars out of five. Ten out of ten would recommend it though. Like right. I, yeah, any, ten out of ten would recommend which. If you if you don't know, that's how I end all of my reviews with a uh, rec- recommendation out of ten as to would I recommend this movie for you to watch. <laughs> it's very it's like very Leonard's reviews. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Community, but I love that. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Four stars out of, out of five. Like Mean Girls is is just I I love this movie. One of my favorite comedies. Um, they knocked it out of the park with, with this one and it's I can't see it going away really ever. Like it's just that's um that relatable. Uh but yeah, so okay, so solid four from both of us, solid roundup. Um yeah. definitely also uh I would recommend anyone um <laughs> who has you know who wants to watch a movie, I, this is one that I would recommend. <laughs> Right, uh, so let's move on. I'm kind of psychic. Really? It's like I have ESPN or something. All right, and welcome back, Brian. This is going to be our middle segment. Um, Talking a little bit about, you know, uh, there's been some big movie, you know, streaming kind of news in the past couple of weeks with the Discovery uh, merger with with HBO and some weird decisions going on with HBO Max and like the future of that streaming service. Um, and then we're going to try and get to know you a little bit. You know, this is your first time on the show. Um, so, yeah, I just want to know, you know a little bit more about the essence of, of Brian and, <laughs> and uh, his, his movie takes. So, uh, yeah, I guess with that, we can just we can just jump right in. So, like I said, um, Discovery HBO are, are merging. Discovery, I guess it's called a merger, right? But Discovery is really like taking over HBO. Right. Um, and so uh that has caused some strange strange decisions about hbo max specifically they canceled 
Uh, Batgirl, I think, is probably the most notable project, which was specifically because it was almost done, right? Um, yeah, I had even heard things that Batgirl was, with, like all the filming was finished. It was just kind of a few yeah here and there, even just editing and stuff it, like Yeah, exactly. That. It's, it was in post-production. And so it's probably just like VFX and yeah, maybe some right. editing choices that are, were still on the table, which does, of course, cost more money to to finish but for something that i i don't know what the official number was in the millions of dollars you know the tens of millions of dollars that they'd already sunk into this project to get it produced right. uh you know the the remaining cost is a fraction of that and so there early on when this was first announced that backroll was getting the axe it was like oh it could backroll like really be that bad it does is this gonna have to you know is this is there implications for like DCEU and like maybe because of, of things that are going on with um, Ezra Miller and like the Flash movie, uh, right. you know. So there was some speculation, but then of course it was just confirmed in in like a meeting and like a shareholder meeting or whatever that no, they're just they're just shelving it because yeah. they want the tax write off, right? <laughs> um, and so that along with number of projects, I think the next the next uh, the Scoob follow up. Now I'm not the biggest Scoob fan or whatever, but like yeah, it was like Scoob. Holiday Haunt. Or Holiday Haunt. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Uh, there's that one. And then they also like weirdly took off some movies that are like HBO Max titles from the service. So we lost like American Pickle and like The Witches. Um, yeah. And I don't know, maybe two or three others. But it those are yeah, movies. There is a few like HBO original movies. I guess exactly. Yeah. Like- that, well, HBO like, Max originals, right? Because like, right, right, right. there's still go. like a diff- some difference between HBO Max, the streaming service, and like HBO Home Box Office, the brand. Right. Um, and yeah, no, so it, you're exactly right, though. Those are movies that like HBO Max originals that that the streaming service just owns outright. So like, I don't know what what the purpose of removing those would be. And so it's caused, you know, a big kind of commotion in like what, you know, what is the future of, of the streaming service? I think generally the consensus that and at least for me i would say that hbo max is probably the best streaming service we have right now right it seemed like i think what threw me off with all of this is when you think of the what what is offered out there it seemed like hbo max was by and large kind of like the leader had a a reasonable gap amongst other streaming services when it came to the, the blockbuster movies that you want to see and watch right. and, and the quality of the movies that they had just in their library. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, far greater leaving kind of Netflix to, we got to sink more money into catch up uh, Hulu having to sink more money into catch up. Amazon's always bleeding money. So they're never really going to catch up. But <laughs> yeah, I Amazon, I think, has nothing to worry about. Like even if their studio operates at a loss every year, they're still going to be like producing products. They, they make it up right. in other areas. Right. Right. Netflix <laughs> has kind of been in their own tailspin for diff- for other reasons. <laughs> like they are hemorrhaging subscribers. Like I think it's maybe been three, almost three quarters now. I don't know about this one coming up, but like they've lost more subscribers than they actually projected uh, twice now, at least. Right, um, and then they've also made some strange announcements, like that they're going to stop focusing on good movies and just continue churning out like the Gray Man and ki- the Kissing Booth franchise, like that, that just dribble, you know. Um, 
But I mean, I guess if that's where their viewing numbers are, their viewing hours are, uh, their business, right? But uh, the movie, the movie world, movie fans are kind of in shambles, I would say. Um, so yeah, just kind of a weird, some weird decision stuff, especially um, Discovery also, you know, announcing that going they they're kind of moving away from narrative content to more unscripted, unscripted like reality stuff which you know is is their kind of bread and butter over at discovery uh right pretty grim i, I would say yeah and i'm i'm intrigued too because i mean i've used both products um yo you have discovery plus yeah yeah uh my wife's family had had gotten it um and just from my use of discovery plus from a uh not so much what they have um, as far as content, but just user friendliness of the application. Mm. Um, it's it's not a very good app, in my opinion, when it comes to just finding things on on Discovery Plus, um, and and their layout of their screen is very chaotic and very unappealing to the eye. Um, <laughs> Versus, say, like a Hulu or a Netflix or even HBO Max, where you use their their application and you you know what you're clicking on, <laughs> you know yeah. what you're highlighting, and you know uh, where to go to find specific content. Uh, to whereas Discovery Plus is a very hodgepodge of of stuff, and it very much turned me off to using the application as as a whole. Um, because it was so frustrating. Um, but I'm intrigued to see what the merger looks like, um, what the new, like, will they remain their own separate application, uh, which seems... Yeah, that is a big question in the air, is, is will HBO Max just go away and then you just get, like, Discovery Plus, HBO, whatever, you know, whatever they want to call it. Right. Or we'll just, everyone just has to buy Discovery Plus and then all the HBO content that we've had on HBO Max before is now just on Discovery Plus. I don't know. Sounds horrible. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems too like, um, it just seems tough because it seems like when it comes to quality content, uh, that's something we've, we've come to, to know just from HBO as a whole, HBO and what they put out there as far as their own original from the from I think even their their cable uh, output um, right. and what we've seen from some of their HBO Max original shows original movies and so I guess it's it's more in a sense disheartening kind of like what you were saying before to see a lot of those things going away mm-hmm. uh, or at least the the person running HBO Max saying like oh yeah we're we're probably going to cancel a lot of our our original shows. Um, and just seeing what that kind of looks like long term, uh, because I mean maybe this is just from a male perspective or from a, I guess I wouldn't even say a male perspective because a lot of their scripted shows are geared towards the female audience. But. It's, it's actually really funny that you say that because there's it um, the day I don't remember this was maybe two weeks ago now where they that shareholder meeting I referenced earlier they released the. Uh, the presentation right the powerpoint presentation there's literally a slide where they break it down where it's like hbo max is like male skewed narrative content etc whatever and then it's like discovery's like 
female skewed non-scripted like reality television <laughs> it's just oh my i mean <laughs> it, that was just like you know that the twitter was having a field day with that because that's just so oh, stupid sure. it seems so disconnected from like your user base you know right it just yeah in, insane insane it'll be interesting too because it seemed like their uh hbo max was going to try to start competing with marvel uh and disney plus and being like ah we need to overhaul the, the dc universe um uh, which also seems kind of funny considering they're getting rid of the Batgirl uh, movie. Um, yeah. But just kind of being like, oh, yeah, DC, yeah, we've kind of dropped the ball on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we- well, they announced some kind of 10 year plan. I, I didn't look at it or, or really care to see what their 10 year plan was. Um, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, they do have a 10 year plan for like the DC, their DC IP catalog at least um right so yeah who knows man uh at least i, guess, it, I mean and they're they're in hot water as it is with the flash movie and, and yeah everything <laughs> new coming out yeah. with ezra miller um, um. <laughs> at least hbo at least is not going anywhere like the brand hbo you know we've right got, we've got like the game of thrones prequel coming out um and they're still gonna be you know probably at the top of like you know television in terms of production and and just quality of of their productions i would say i do hope that uh hbo max the app doesn't go away i would like to keep hbo max a thing separate from discovery plus or at least i don't know i would rather discovery plus went away and we kept hbo max as the umbrella one um because yeah Yeah. i'm just i don't really have that much interest because even hbo max seems better at least the the design of their their application seems more suited to to absorbing mm-hmm. uh the discovery plus networks of shows um just in the sense that hbo max already has you have your dc you know uh file or section that you can search on or your tcm movie section that you can search on your right uh was it hungry roll or the anime section that you can basically search on Mm -hmm. um so almost just extending that and adding all of the the discovery plus shows there yeah Um, see that would be nice but i feel like based on on (laughs) history and you know consumer experience that's the opposite of that is going to happen i feel like uh in capitalism the consumer loses you know (laughs) like that it's just true we're getting the worst of the outcomes here um but okay yeah i think you know i think we're both a little bit skeptical of this and 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 on the sour side um so let's let's move on we can talk about let's talk about you brian you know thank you for coming on the show really Um, (laughs) thank you for having me yeah absolutely uh okay so off, off the top we talked a little bit about you know um some of your your viewing habits and like what what draws you to certain movies or, you know, uh, taking up people's recommendations and things like that. So um, let's start, let's start here. Let's start with, uh, you know, what's, what's the favorite, what's your favorite movie that you, that you saw for the first time this year? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like a 2022 release, but like the first time you saw it was this year. What do you got? Mm, That is 
this year i would probably say uh probably the french dispatch uh with Wes Anderson. anderson okay yeah yeah like i said over the summer it it was a slight challenge because not everything of his is uh on all streaming services but right um i went through his film series and i think uh i mean just to diverge slightly uh, with Wes Anderson. I think the favorite thing I enjoyed um, starting off from Bottle Rocket and kind of going through his early movies is seeing the uh, the reoccurring minor characters um, in, in each movie. So they're, it's not necessarily the main stars of the show, um, but it seemed like for every three movies or so that he made, there would be a reoccurring you know background character that was like oh yeah this is a taxi driver here and he was uh he was a barber in that other movie or mm-hmm. just kind of like easter eggs for his uh cinematic right yeah universe. he kind of keeps like a circle of of actors that that have do little cameos and stuff for him yeah I think one of the best examples probably maybe like the grand budapest where it's like the the chain of hotel concierges you yeah like bill, bill murray in there and like yeah um, I think outside, yeah, I, I, I don't know, it's kind of blanked on my head, but a very close second as far as movies I saw this year would be uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. So, so, like I said, I've been on a very much uh, Wes Anderson kick right, over, mm-hmm. for the summer, um, just because being a teacher, that's when I had a lot more free time. Right. Um, and just something that isn't heavy watching it's not super graphic or violent um but there's a good story there uh nice little whimsy yeah it's uh, very to whimsical. his films mm-hmm. uh, usually kind of a, a a character you can can root for you can get behind um but yeah i, I enjoyed i enjoyed both moonrise kingdom and the french dispatch um, yeah i would say i mean moonrise Kingdom is probably my favorite wes anderson movie um if not moves if not moonrise then probably rushmore uh rushmore great movie i did just rewatch the french dispatch myself maybe two or three weeks ago uh in theaters when i saw it the first time and um i it was a bit more like middling for me i um i liked it of course i got like wes anderson movies but watching it again i definitely liked it a lot more than my initial reaction uh well that's cool i mean i i do i'm I'm a wes anderson fan as well um and yeah those are solid solid picks i would say for yeah um, i mean for for me it just seemed like watching watching his other movies leading up because i try to watch them as as much in order as possible mm -hmm. um and so seeing everything else minus like the fantastic mr fox and isle of dogs um but seeing his live action uh films it seemed like by the time he got the french dispatch it was that finally aged why he had found his right look and it was a culmination a of all of, it. all of that um uh, kind of perfected of of his distant shots zoomed in shots how he wants to tell the story of each and every individual character uh that's where i finally got to I'm like oh yeah this is okay this is good <laughs> And and okay, and so then within the French Dispatch, which what's your favorite like vignette in that one? Um, I, I think my favorite vignette um is the Timothy Chalamet 
um, the middle one, the, the middle one. Yeah. Mrs. Uh, where it's, it's the, uh, this, this kind of an Ota like war mm. where it's like, well, why are we even doing this? And they're trying to recall what the actual original dispute was that mm. led to, uh, that, that led to them actually blowing up into, uh, this whole war. But I always found it interesting that while they were doing all of that, uh, the two main sides were playing is a chess match. Like yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. Quite literally in a chess match of, of the leaders. Um, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed that, that very much um, from the French dispatch. It, it did. There were times where I was confused as to like, what the heck was going on um, in the overarching part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those like, okay, just remember it's just, it's a vignette, yeah. He's, he's telling yeah. a story within a story. Just enjoy the story while they're telling <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I thought, like, I mean, like I said, the, the whole movie I enjoyed Owen Wilson's little part of getting beat up by, like, the, the child street gang. Yeah. <laughs> I did like, yeah, around. I like his little Sazerac. Um, uh, and he had, like, a super story. depressing, like, take on the city and mm-hmm. they're just like why don't you write about flowers or something like, <laughs> i don't like flowers <laughs> yeah all right okay so on the flip side of that anything that just just stunk like that you didn't like that you that you regret watching you like you watch this and you're like give me my life back give me my time back let me look at my letterbox here real quick is that not is it not fantastic beast because i feel like it should probably be fantastic beasts um <laughs> the one that maybe sticks out the most i, I didn't i didn't even register fantastic beasts that's how much that uh <laughs> you forgot that one right yeah okay yeah um out of the list registered here i think there's one that i'm not going to say that it was like uh, i didn't like it but also, I didn't actually think it was like a waste of time, but definitely one of those that I, I could have gone my entire life and not have seen this movie and maybe even better off for it. Uh, and I think it was the new Independence Day uh, research. The Chris, the Chris Hemsworth one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I didn't, like I said, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, I understand movies in the sense that, like, this is just entertainment. This isn't right, anything, sure. like, super deep. There isn't, like, a message on society uh, buried in this. But I just kind of watched it and was like, oh, all right. That's, that, that was a movie. That, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was a Yeah, sequel. I kind of I have similar thoughts on, on Bullet Train, but I'm sure I'll talk about that on, a, on another show. But okay, yeah, yeah no, I, I, that's... Uh... I mean, outside of that, uh, I wasn't a huge. I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Spiderhead. Oh, right, I didn't really yeah. like that. I thought that was kind of dumb, <laughs> in a sense. All right, and so all right, so we've we've talked about something, some stuff that you like, some stuff you didn't like. Now, sir, defend yourself. Top four on Letterbox. Okay, so looking at this, right, you've got Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes, great movie. The Incredibles. Great movie. Donnie Darko. Great movie. And then the, the, you know, you don't have to talk about this one as much because we're about to talk about it. And, and then the Warriors. So why are those four? Why are those four your, your, your top four? All right. So we'll start off in the order that you, you presented it. We'll start yeah, it's just left to right. Yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox. 
Um, I, I, this was my introduction to Wes Anderson. Um, after the fantastic Mr. Fox, I saw, it basically opened my door to his filmmaking. And so on, on the one hand, how do you not love the, the key that unlocks Wes Anderson's filmography? Um, I like the animation. I like the quips of, uh, of Mr. Fox. I like the yeah. story of it. Um, Cussing with me. I even, I even like the bad guys, the villains per se uh, in this and their own quips and the, the fucking rat. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, right? Yeah. <laughs> just the the whole character uh cast on here i think was great and i think everyone played uh their role brilliantly um whether it was mr fox uh william defoe's character of the rat the mole um just all around an enjoyable enjoyable movie a man yeah it's a it's a lovely lovely film i love that movie yeah a man who's been subdued by you know family and just trying to get back his his youth yeah. you know okay and so pick pixar's incredibles what about that one you could argue is a very similar <laughs> similar uh story there a man who's been bogged down by family trying to reach back the to the glory days um no uh, the incredibles i think I, I enjoy the superhero movie i enjoy the because it takes place it's like futuristic, but it's futuristic like 70s even. Sure, um, yeah, like retro future. Right, retro future. So I like the the style of the housing. I like the style of the cars. Um, the animation of it was I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I think The Incredibles has more of just like a personal uh, homage to it. Uh, in college, I was freshman year of college. I got really sick. So I was just in bed for a, a couple days which is mm-hmm. really sick for me uh, and not moving. And this movie was on repeat basically okay, yeah. <laughs> on TV and just something that I enjoyed. And it was, it's easy watching uh, again, yeah, yeah. something okay. that you can just put on. Incredibles is pretty good. Incredibles is pretty good. And like pre pre MCU and even, you know, post MCU, it still definitely holds up as like a good superhero movie. Um, Actually, looking at Donnie Darko now, I think we saw this for the first time together, right? Like, yes. do you yes, remember that? Did. Yeah, we watched this in my living room, um, and I think at that time it definitely, like, I don't know, we were teenagers. It went over my head a lot. I thought it was so cool and like appreciated a lot of it, but it was just watching it again later as adults. Like, I definitely did not or I... understand this movie on first watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I think this is one of those movies where I watch it and I know you just know that it's a good movie. Like, you know, yeah. I think it's just, the soundtrack does so much work. Right. And it's just one of those, like, all right, this is a, an awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you want to be like, okay, what the heck is Donnie Darko about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I guess, yeah, upon each rewatch as you get older, you're kind of like, okay, I, I remember reading about this online. I can kind of see where that person getting that perspective or where this is coming from yeah uh, and so i can appreciate it in that sense um but this would be my like quote-unquote cool film of like yeah. oh okay yeah he's how, got a, how many times would you say how many times would you say that you've seen it just it just uh, ballpark not i mean less than 10 i've seen it maybe five times okay okay so nothing nothing too crazy nothing yeah. super out there like it this is i mean because it's kind of a longer film 
uh, if I remember. Let's see. Do I? Uh, 114, 114 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Okay. So maybe not. <laughs> longer, longer by today's standards, I would say. Yeah. But a lot of movies are around 90 minutes. And it's not necessarily like a happy go lucky film. Like com- compared to the other two on my list, this isn't like yeah. the easiest watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely only one that mentions an Antichrist. So. <laughs> um, but not the only one with airplane parts falling from the sky. No, so. no. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I just, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. I like Jake Gyllenhaal does a great job in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seems kind of this like finding yourself, discovering, like almost like a self, self-discovery self of like who I am, what the heck do I actually believe in? What the heck am yeah. I being told like, I should believe in and you know a big f you to everybody else i'm gonna do my thing (laughs) plus it has a fucking was it rabbit what is it yeah frank (laughs) frank the bunny frank the bunny there you go all right well so then of course your last favorite is then is our next segment uh 1979's the warriors which uh let's just let's just get right into that Okay, Brian, so we were just talking about your favorites on Letterboxd there at the end of our last segment. And the last one of your top four is this movie that we're going to talk about now, uh, 1979's The Warriors, uh, yes. directed by Walter Hill. Come now, out you, you promised me, you promised me that you're going to get this plot description <laughs> a lot better. So, all right, what do, what do you got? So, uh, in essence, The Warriors is a big turf battle uh, amongst the various uh, gangs in New York. And they are the, the gang, the warriors whose home turf is Coney Island uh, go to this meeting and the meeting, the essence of the meeting is basically the gangs are going to come together and they're going to run the city because there's more of them than there are cops. And that was the general plan. But at this main get together where there is a truce a peace treaty the gang leader is killed and the warriors are mistakenly identified as the main killers and so they kill basically the the gang leader of the biggest and toughest gang in all of new york and so now there is basically a, a bounty on them a target on their heads and they have to find a way to get from essentially the center of new york city all the way back out to coney island back out to their home turf uh where there's there's safety there's home um and so the whole movie is them rolling through various levels of gangs um as far as like respect and muscle and things like that uh throughout the various boroughs and cities of new york making their way back out to coney island yeah yep that's uh i'll say solid b plus on that one that's (laughs) definitely better i think you know again just filling in some of the gaps here i think the the biggest thing is that um yeah one of the leaders of one of the top gangs in new york the gramercy riffs cyrus right mm-hmm. has called this meeting of, of all of the different like street level gangs because they've been busy fighting each other when it's really the police who are kind of the oppressors and yeah like you said that they the have them with the police yeah that's right 
Can you dig it? But uh, can you count what the 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 Warriors were not like? Uh, I I would I would have a little I would contest a little bit. They were not mistakenly identified. They were framed. I guess basically the real killer, the real person who shot Cyrus, then turns and says it was the Warriors who did it. You know what I mean? So they, right. And then people just take them at their word. The other thing is that every gang is told to send nine delegates. So it's not the entire gang. So there are way right. there, there are a ton more warriors like in Coney Island, like you're saying, which is what these nine, like an emissary basically that they were chosen to, to go from Coney Island to this meeting, figure out what this guy wants. No weapons were supposed to be there. And then right. of course, yeah, she hits the fan. And now these nine guys are just trying to get home after a long night. But so, yeah, just pretty still a pretty solid, pretty solid plot description. Definitely captures captures most of most of the film. Let's go off the top here. How many gangs can you name from this movie? So I gave you one or well, I guess you get two, right? You get the Warriors, get the Gramercy Wrist. What else you got? Uh, You have the Baseball Furies. Yeah. You have the Orphans. Yes. Yes. You have the Saturn Kings. You have the Lizzie's. The all female yeah. gang. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Rifts, which I believe is the main like gang. Yeah, the gra- the Gramercy Rifts, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where Cyrus is from. Uh, you have the Turnbull Turnbull Canyons. I want to say. I know yeah, it's pretty close. That, yeah, but... Turn- Turnbull ACs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's one more big one I'm missing. No, uh, oh yeah, there is one that you're missing. We got most of them here. So in the in the movie, there's including the Warriors and the Rifts. There's two, four. There's six. So you got five out of six so far. Uh, did I say the Rogues? No, you didn't. That's it. Wow. All right, you got them all. (laughs) Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. So we get the plot. Classic, classic gangs. Classic. Uh. I think what's cool and helping remember all the gangs is their unique uh, style. Right. Yeah. They all have their own like little aesthetic. Right. And I think, um, I mean, I would say, I, I don't know if you had seen the movie. I, I remember you and I played, like we mentioned earlier in the, the podcast that you and I played the, the Xbox uh, video game. And I don't know mm-hmm. if either of us had seen the movie prior to, to actually playing that game but i know it was the game that introduced me to be like oh shit there's actually a movie here i want to watch uh, i genuinely I watch the movie. don't re- i genuinely don't remember if i had seen the movie before playing the game or if i played the game first then watch the movie I, I have no idea I, yeah same um but i will say that the cover of the game matches i believe one of the promotional posters which is which i own it's the fury right of- it's the one of the one of the furies with the green paint Right? Is that guy? Is that the maybe he's on the disc? I don't know. I think he's on the disc. On the on the cover of the game, it's uh the Warriors and Oh, it's just the movie poster, them in uh Right. Well, because the movie poster is the Warriors and them kind of outlined with light in the back. Okay. But there is another promotional poster that I own that is the Warrior and it has all of the gangs in New York. Right. All the all the gangs that were basically invited on the hill of where they went to listen to Cyrus speak, basically, or, or that's, I mean, what's in the background, but just the look of all the gangs 
is just i think one of the most memorable things i have in my my head the rogues yeah. have their own cut the warriors have their own cut the baseball furies have their own cut and they're all very distinct and unique and not the dullest of colors when you're thinking of a gang um mm. or a gang movie it's not a bunch of dark you know grays and and blacks and browns like you have those colors but they're they're offset by like bright reds and purples and blues and you know light, much lighter tones that kind of fits i guess the 70s vibe yeah Sorry, yeah, kinda... it's definitely definitely <laughs> that that uh, era through and through. Um, okay, so uh, you know this this movie is in one, in your top four on on Letterbox and your favorite. So, like, what what is it um, that you like so much about this one? Right, that you, you've spoken on it a little bit, but like, you want to go more into specifics or elaborate? Yeah, more? sure. Um, I think one thing that makes this movie so accessible and i think so enjoyable is, is the simplicity of it uh it's very much uh like it like a david versus goliath you have this group of nine that have to march their way through essentially everything is enemy territory now mm-hmm. um and you see that time and time again uh like when they interact with the orphans the orphans don't really want to fight them the orphans know that uh the the warriors are a much stronger gang even though they outnumber them um but it's i believe the 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 female lead that ends up egging on the orphans to 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 fight them yeah they have that they have that girl who's kind of like following them around right the one who's like right all the swans into or whatever i don't remember her name um but yeah, she basically is like, "Oh, you can't let them walk through here." Yeah, she just like talks to so, so much to shit to inconvenience them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just the simplicity of the goal: Coney Island. We got to get home mm-hmm. any ways possible. Start by walking. I think they take the they take they use the subway system quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but are having various roadblocks pop in their way. Uh, the fact that there's a disc jockey or radio DJ, I love that's that. Kind of your, yeah, uh, your storyteller uh, for mm, everything. And the narrator. There you go. Thank you. The narrator, and word is getting back to her, and then she's then spreading the word back out to all of the gangs of like, "Hey there, you teeny boppers! You know this is, mm, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, the warriors have moved through this, or they're now here now, and and just kind of." making it way through everything yeah that's um, one of, that's probably one of my favorite needle drops of like all time is when she's like hey warriors uh i got a message for you and then it's nowhere to run nowhere to hide right yeah i love that that's yeah yeah and i think the other cool thing about this similar i guess you could say with uh certain movies nowadays they, they moved away from this you get introduced to a cast of characters you like that cast of characters they don't want anything bad to happen to those cast of characters and for the most part, the whole cast will make it to the end of the movie to where here just about every gang they run into is able to take uh, one of the members. Of course, the leader of the Warriors ends up uh, not making it out of the main. Like he goes to yeah, he gets, Cyrus yeah, and mm-hmm. gets beat up there. Um, but I think out of the, the nine, only four make it back to Coney Island. Um throughout the plus the chick that tags along but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um 
I guess, spoiler, they do make it back to Coney Island. Yeah. Um, but definitely, but yeah. Yeah. Some, I think we get, we get like two deaths, a couple arrests. One guy's just abandoned on a park bench. Yeah. Oh, no. He, he gets arrested. He gets arrested by the police because he goes to talk to a like an undercover cop that he thought was like a That's right. Yeah. Prostitute, yeah. And she, mm-hmm. she cuffs him. Uh, and he's not able to move the. He, that is an arrest. Yeah. The bench. Mm-hmm. Um, Ajax, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, I think the other thing that appeals to this is this isn't like a brand new concept this is for the most part an iliad story right you, you if you're aware with your ancient greek it's soldiers trying to get home and trying to avoid all of the distractions um on the way there whether the distraction be rival gangs or uh the lizzies who are undercover try to try to seduce them mm-hmm. um to get to them and i think because of that because it's a a tried and true uh, idea that it just it hits very very well uh, yeah, yeah i, I yeah, love this. absolutely i think that is i think that that's definitely one lens that you can that you can apply to how you look at the story and it tracks like that those parallels do exist i think for me i i i i really like the like stylistic choices going on here um, right. We talked about the, you know, the the DJ on the radio. Um, I do. I love all the different like flavors that each gang brings. There's the like the disco one. I don't know. I think that's the Turnbulls, maybe where they they fight them on roller skates in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, but I mean, kind of what you're saying too. You have yes, it is scary getting shot or getting beat up or getting hunted essentially. Mm-hmm. But the score on top of it, the music, the synthesizers that, mm-hmm. that are going on top of it that add that extra layer of I'm gonna I'm gonna lean forward in my seat here. Like I'm I'm intrigued. It it pulls you in. Um and I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. There's just something about these like uh it's not like coming of age, but it's like a it's like a you know, these people are young still. Like I, I, I would say that they're older than teenagers. These are adults in this, in this movie, but it it kind of gives me like the outsiders kind of vibe. Like, yeah, you know, like young male, like violence and like toxic masculinity and just like mm-hmm. this, it's very captivating to watch at some points. Um, and as you're following this, this cast, this ensemble of nine characters, like you, and you become invested in struggles they have, uh it's very very like something that i i didn't appreciate when i when i was young and watched this movie but i have much more appreciation now is that cyrus obviously being like a leader and then assassinated for trying to consolidate the power that these gangs don't share when they're individuals but like as if they come together in a collective because yeah like these these are people just trying to take back their city right there right and some of those those some of those very same struggles like still exist today uh and then the senselessness of the villains like we never get any explanation on why the guy who pulled the trigger and killed cyrus does it like he he just thought it was like funny it's like psychopathic 
Zapp, exactly. Because they ask him, uh, they, I think they ask him at the end of the movie, like, why'd you do it? Why'd you shoot him? And he, and he just laughs. Like, he, I just thought it'd be a good time, man. Yeah. I, like, like, he was hopped up on drugs, like, yeah. with all of it. And, uh, yeah, this, the, the aesthetics of the, of, 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 a, of a white person shooting like a black civil rights leader, like, True. not great. Um, but, <laughs> just just like super super interesting and probably not you know not for everybody like i i there's a reason like this is like a what you know quote cult unquote classic. like cult classic yeah <laughs> kind of like one of those movies that probably i don't know what the box office numbers were for this but like had a lot more success on home video um yeah i, I really i i like this movie one of my favorite scenes being the um i think it's right after they fight like the the turnbulls or whoever whoever jumps them in the bathroom they're like it's they're in the subway station and they're trying to catch the next train to get closer to coney island uh and these guys are just absolutely beat like they're so tired um they've gone through so much already got into so many fights like you know had molotov cocktails thrown at them like their lives threatened and they're sitting on the subway like sweaty and dirty and then these young these young people come in um from like a prom or something yeah either like a prom or like you know they some were, dance yeah some they were dan- dance. they were dancing and they're just like so like happy and go lucky and like carefree and then they sit down across from them and you just get these great shots of like them noticing the warriors sitting across from them on the, in this train car and just looking like absolute Clutch. hell Clutch then, their pearls yeah yeah and it's like <laughs> there's there's a lot of um imagery in this movie that is that is very politically charged and i think that some of those moments are just like so illustrative of you know what what 1970s new york must have been like at the time you know right that that kind of like underbelly of the city of like what, what 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 it was like i don't know it's been some time since i've seen this movie um but just i i i do like it i, I do <sighs> yeah no i think yeah there's just so much um even when the movie was coming out like as knowing we were going to talk about this i started to do a little bit of research and um how much resistance there was to this film because there was a ton of gang violence at this time mm-hmm. um but you had uh, Ronald Reagan ended up calling the the main actor oh, Michael God. Beck and told him he was a fan of the movie. He enjoyed the, he enjoyed the movie, which is kind of funny. Uh, that is, yeah, what knowing the fuck? that's like um that's like uh like who was I think is Rand Paul saying like they're a huge fan of Rage Against the Machine. Like yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> wait, do you not realize this is like critical media of you? Like and you you know yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That I love this movie even more now. Actually, <laughs> um, any is there anything in this that like that that you don't like, or you think like that it drags for you? Because there's a couple of things here that for me, I'm like, I'm you know, I could go without that. But what about you? You know what? <laughs> and I mean, maybe this was on purpose, um, but I feel like a lot of the dialogue between Swan and the female. Uh, I, so looking it up, her name is uh, Mercy. 
Right. <laughs> I, ironically enough, or her character name is, is Mercy. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the dialogue that they have, um, not necessarily on, because once they get past the first couple gangs and she's just like, I'm going to follow you guys back home. Like, you're my man, you're my crew now she talks a lot less like she's just kind of silent in the background but early on when she's a pain and just kind of the the back and forth between them i thought was like very redundant um it's, it's not adding yeah. to either character they're just talking to almost, i mean like, yeah no I, I, time. <laughs> it's it's been it's been years since i've seen this movie at least five like maybe even ten i i, I don't remember the last time i watched this movie um there's no way in hell that 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 dynamic has aged well at all. <laughs> like it, her her character is written explicitly to be like a nag, right. and they you know <laughs> in most cases and until until the to- towards the end where they're getting closer and she's been around a lot and she's like proving her metal and how she she like wants to help them or you know is is right you know she's actually not trying to be likes, like a snake <laughs> yeah she likes swan or whatever they have like their romance um definitely is is written in a way that's like not a not a very well written like woman right. character and they definitely talk down to her and like treat her like shit put her you know don't don't give a shit about her at all um so yeah there's no way that that's aged well yeah, uh, I, I I would say the only other part that I thought was annoying, and again, may, like it's based off a book, so maybe it just wasn't in the book, and they didn't find it prevalent to add to the movie. Um, but you know, Cyrus's gang is getting people coming in, like other gang members saying, like, no, no, we know who actually shot Cyrus. Uh, we know what actually happened, but you don't hear any of that dialogue. You just mm-hmm. see them kind of come in they had the transition of power the new guy takes over for cyrus and you get the occasional shot of him getting told like okay they're here yeah okay, they just them, yeah so. it's mostly just like oh they just had a they just got into a fight with this gang or whatever right and so yeah. it's one of those just like i i would have been cool to know maybe a little bit more about that gang but also this is a movie about the warriors and so like yeah. I, I get it i get that i do like i like the ending a lot when all the riffs are on the beach and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they've made it back, but then they see this entire army really. Yeah. And then, but they, they, at this point, they've already captured the real guy. And then like the final lines of the movie are like, you know, they get the new leader of the riffs. He's like, you wars are good, real good. Real good. Like, <laughs> the best. The best. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, I I I would say I had uh, like the sim- a similar hang up, like you know, like I said, mercy character. There's no way that's aged well. Um, the uh, Ajax, I definitely dislike his character a lot more <laughs> now. But yeah, I, I would. Uh, this is one I would revisit. You know, I, I would definitely watch this one again. It's been like I said a number of years, but. Uh, when I was younger, of course, this is one that I liked, and like you know, we spent a ton of hours playing the game and that kind of thing. Like, just yeah, and it, yeah. The movie did. I mean, it does play itself really well for a video game because it's mm-hmm. essentially just a big scroller. You know, yeah, I mean, it was developed by thing. like Rockstar. It's basically just Grand Theft Auto, but like skinned out in the Warriors or whatever. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. So I mean, I guess let's just uh, let's let's round it up. What, what do you got? 
Uh, for the like rating on the movie here. Or... Yeah, because you watched it this year, right? So you did you log yeah. it? Uh, I did not log it. Um, but I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a four out of five. Another um, four, okay. Even you know what? I even go four point five out of five. It's it's not a perfect movie by any means, but it right. is it is a great great movie. Ten out of ten would recommend. <laughs> I will tell you. So I I pulled this up on Letterbox because I haven't. I wasn't even sure if I'd give it a rating. I know I would have like marked it watched, but I, so I gave this three and a half, but on, you gave it five. So. Oh, okay. Then there you go. Five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll stand by that as well. There you go. Yeah. I, I gave this a solid, uh, the, you know, a three and a half. And I think that's where I'm at right now. I don't know when I actually gave it the rating. Cause I haven't, I haven't actually logged it like with a review on Letterboxd. But that seems about right for right now. Maybe even three if I'd watched it again. I don't know. But three and a half seems on par. It, like I said, it's it's by no means like a, the perfect movie. But yeah, no, not a masterpiece. <laughs> but um, definitely some elements that, that uh, you know, we can appreciate. And, and uh, sometimes hey. it's just fun to watch, watch uh, people get beat up, dude. I don't know. Ronald Reagan was a big fan, you know. So, oh god damn it! Maybe, maybe he really, maybe he was rooting for the uh, <laughs> for the police. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was. He was. Uh, he is rooting for um, uh, Luther's. <laughs> he was rooting for Luther's character. Get away with. Oh, it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up on on the Warriors. Um, we can just yeah. go ahead and and kind of do do our outro from here um well yeah thank thanks uh thanks for talking warriors yeah thanks for having me i want them all i want all the warriors all right so that's i mean i guess that's that's pretty much been this episode of spinning the reel we talked um mean girls we did some news updates we got to know a little bit more about you as a as a as a connoisseur of film um, we talked Warriors, nineteen seventy nine classic, um, and you're you're on Letterbox. Do you want to let the people know what what your Letterbox is? Uh, I am. Uh, I believe I'm just B S Spinoza twenty two. There you I'm go. Not positive. Yeah, go you ahead. Could and... probably, you could probably tell me better. But... <laughs> <laughs> you want me? To look? Okay, I can look up your Letterbox. Um, I think that's what it is. I don't know. I made the letterbox many years ago, and it took me a while to actually start using it. It's just yeah, no. There's not even any numbers. It's just literally B. Espinoza. So oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, everyone, give Brian a follow for more of his opinions. He's a lot more active on there now, um, and you um, know, might slow down yeah. a little bit going back to school, but you know, keep keep uh keep logging those ones away. Uh, for myself, I, I'm on Letterbox at uh, painted underscore dog. That's pretty much all the socials I have for all of your favorites, spinning the real content. However, you can just go over to spinning the We've got reviews from Evan and nobody else because we're too lazy to write anything. Uh, <laughs> but um, yes, any, anything, all of our socials are on spinning the We're on Twitter and Instagram. Um, thank you for, for uh, listening to the show um, next week. I know Evan will be back. I'm hoping we can get Cody back too. Uh, 
I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about yet. There's been a pretty big gap in, in what's come out um, and what's coming out next week. But I would love to talk about Prey. I would talk about Bullet Train. I, I Speaking of writing, I may actually write something about Vengeance. The, there's a BJ Novak movie that just came out. Loved it. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for all this exciting stuff, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to give us a Cody signature buy because i will never ever do it but if you want to no i'm go good for it <laughs> all right bye